Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, yes, you know it's time for Season 2 on the Lighter Side of Baseball with Jamie Retzke. And this episode is coming to you from Cape Town, South Africa. Yes, we were part of a group that went down to Open Arms Home for Children, and the group uh, was going down there specifically for the dedication of a new building that is named Uncle Davy's Place, and it's named after and because of our good friend Dave Nelson, who was instrumental in so many opportunities to raise money for the kids at Open Arms. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about that, as you all know, over the last year. We've increased our listening audience, and you know that Dave Nelson was one of my best friends, probably my best friend. He was like a brother. He and I spent the better part of 45 years kidding each other about baseball, watching his career. He was certainly interested in my legal career, and uh, as he would talk to me about all of his home runs, I'd uh, I'd talk to him about all my trials, and uh, it became much more than that. But at any rate, we had the opportunity to travel down to Kumga, South Africa, with Bob Solis and his wife, Sally, who founded Open Arms Home for Children, who came up with the vision to have a home where they would take children whose parents had passed away from the AIDS virus or they had been abused, and the courts in South Africa would award custody to Open Arms Home for Children, and it grew from one, one little guy 16 years ago to 58 kids right now, and those kids are growing up and need a place to phase into adult independent living. And so this new home that was made possible by the Milwaukee Brewers, the sponsors of Open Arms Home for Children who financially support this, the members of the uh, golf tournaments that have played year in and year out, uh, in the Davy Nelson Golf Tournament to raise money for the kids at Open Arms. This all came to fruition in the uh, last event that would be played in Dave's name up in Kohler, Wisconsin. And in the course of this Memorial Weekend where the Milwaukee Brewers uh, distanced themselves from any other major league team in providing an opportunity for all of us to express our love and good memories of Dave, and at the same time raise money. And we raised about $120,000 in support of Open Arms, and Mr. and Mrs. Mark Antanasio, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who actually hired Dave to broadcast for the Brewers after Ned Yost terminated him as a coach, Mr. and Mrs. Antanasio donated $120,000. They matched the pot. They put it all in, two hundred forty grand. Bob Solis took that money and purchased an adjacent piece of property that has a beautiful home on it, uh, adjacent to Open Arms in Kumga, and uh, that facility will bear the name Uncle Davy's Place uh, forever. And if you have the opportunity to get on the website, and we'll talk about it a little bit, more in detail. If you have the opportunity to get on the website for Open Arms Home for Children, and Bob will give you that site uh, when we interview Bob later in the podcast. Um, When you see that site, you'll know what this is all about, and you'll know that two years ago they named the laundry for Uncle Davey, and there's a Uncle Davey 
Dave Nelson prayer bench that was provided by donations from Greg Murphy and his family, a longtime friend of Dave's. Both Greg and his father were big, big, big Dave Nelson fans back when Dave played baseball in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And so tip of the hat to Greg uh, Murph, great guy, and uh, the prayer bench is... uh, Right near adjacent to the prayer to the grotto on the grounds of Open Arms, it's a beautiful place, and uh, we enjoyed the opportunity to get to know a lot of the uh, 35 people in the traveling party. And then at the ceremony, there were about 300 people from the town. Uh, there was a marching band, and uh, all of the uh, uh, mamas showed up. There was some entertainment provided by both the boys and girls of Open Arms Home for Children. And uh, it was a great day. The kids did a a beautiful uh, prayer. Uh, Some dedicated that prayer to Dave Nelson. Uh, And then I spoke for a little bit and made it through most of it without starting to cry. Uh, Bob Solis spoke. Uh, One of the uh, women who was a driver and very instrumental in open arms who, uh, like every other employee's life was made better by knowing Dave Nelson, who would go down there for a month at a time uh, uh, in the off-season. So Dave spent a lot of time with the kids, spent a lot of time in open arms. Anyway, so we go down there, and our first uh, podcast of the year, after a great 46 episodes of On the Lighter Side of Baseball, I had a good time. I know... A lot of people out there enjoyed the podcast. I might talk too much, but hey, it's my podcast, and and I have a lot to say from uh, the playing of the Dick Hauser interview to talking a lot about Dave Nelson to dissing, criticizing sabermetrics and all that stuff, and we'll get into all that. We'll get more into the cheating scandal of the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. We will get into... Uh, many of the hot topics. I'll be down at spring training after the Super Bowl. The greatest thing about the Super Bowl is that it marks the beginning of baseball season when it's over. So when the Super Bowl ends, after the Kansas City Chiefs are victorious over the San Francisco 49ers, you can mark your calendar. The pitchers and catchers will be reporting soon thereafter. And we'll take the show down to beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, and some of those stadiums around Scottsdale, to uh, do some live podcasts, and we'll hope to get some actual live people on our show. But the show today uh, originates from Cape Town, and we begin with an outtake that will sort of set the stage. It may be a bit redundant to what I'm saying now, but not totally. Then the venue will shift to the cocktail party before dinner, where I was fortunate enough to get a little bit of time with Bob Solis, the founder of Open Arms, and Rick Waits, who pitched for the Cleveland Indians, the Texas Rangers, and the Milwaukee Brewers, and then went on to coach uh, a number of teams in a number of countries around the world, including Italy and Taiwan. Rick's a great guy. We spent a lot of time together, and uh, you'll hear a little bit about that in the opening outtake. Then I'll come back and talk a little bit more about... uh, where we're going for the uh, podcast in South Africa. And then after that, we will play the uh, pre-cocktail uh, interview with Bob and, and Rick. And I think, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I did. I had a blast. And I know that Rick will be a frequent guest on my show because he's just fun to talk to, 
had a great career, and um, and he's still alive, which makes him unique in the uh, podcast world of On the Letter Side of Baseball, because uh, this year uh, we're trying to uh, get live baseball players to uh, be on our show, and I think we can do that. So you'll hear me by the poolside, you'll hear uh, me by the poolside again in the second outtake, and basically enjoying the opportunity to be down in South Africa with all these people. So the first outtake is in the morning, the second is in the afternoon, and basically I'm trying to lay the groundwork for my interview with Rick Waits, which, uh, which we undertake to do just before dinner. So having said all of that, I think you're going to enjoy the international flavor of this podcast and the uh, comments that not only Bob's making and we're asking in part for you to at least consider making a small contribution. And nobody asked me to say that. I'm just doing it because we can always use money down there. And then uh, some comments from Rick, which I basically cut off, but I'll try to uh, get him back on the show. So here goes the first outtake. Start at the poolside in Cape Town. Everybody, this is Jamie Uretsky, and we are coming to you live, international broadcast today. We are coming to you live from Cape Town, South Africa, where in a few minutes we're going to have one of our favorite members of this little entourage that came down to South Africa to visit the home for children that Rick Waits, a former Major League player with the Texas Rangers and Cleveland Indians, a friend of Dave Nelson and a coach for years, is going to visit us down here. We're sitting at the pool, just kind of taking everything in before we start our venture back home to the United States, and I'm ready to get home. We've had a great time at Open Arms for Children. We may see if we can sneak Bob Solis into an interview before we go. As you know, if you're a listener of the show, Bob Solis has been the person who came up with a vision for open arms for children uh it's a home for children it's not an orphanage and we learn an awful lot about that in addition to seeing 58 of the greatest kids on the planet they are so happy they love having visitors from the united states and it is just a great venture for us to have come down here and spent some time with these kids and then did a little bit of sightseeing so we're out here in the open on site at the pool and you might hear a little background noise you might hear some south african birds chirping away you might hear traffic because it's rush hour and uh hopefully you're going to hear my guest rick waits talk about his career talk about his time with dave nelson and talk about all those good things that have happened to him not only in his career of playing as a big southpaw but also in his uh, time coaching and he coached all over the united states and all over the world really so we're going to visit we will try not to dominate a lot of his time because we are getting ready to uh, uh as i said long day start of the day is on table mountain and uh take a little cable car ride up there and uh rick and i have to the detriment of probably everybody else in this traveling group talked a lot of baseball I can talk baseball for 24 hours a day, and if you bring up the subject of Dave Nelson, I might even be able to cram an extra hour into the day to make it 25 hours of talking about Nelly. We came down here, we had a nice dedication of a building for Dave Nelson, dedicated in his name, and it is named Uncle Davy's Place. Now, 
the kids call everybody uncle. It's their showing of sympathy and love for whoever shows up down here. And in particular, there was nobody they would have rather seen, including Santa Claus and Dave Nelson. So it's only fitting that we came down here to dedicate this great home that's going to be a transitional home for the older kids in the uh, open arms uh, facility and so when they get into high school and they're getting ready to transition to college they get to spend some time independently living uh, in this home that was made possible by the Milwaukee Brewers Open Arms, Bob Solis, Mark Antanasio, and many others in the Brewers organization because we raised about $120,000 in the Dave Nelson Memorial Weekend, which included his golf tournament. And then Mr. Antanasio doubled that, matched it. So what a great organization. And so I've said that before, but this week we were able to see the fruits of the all the hard work and the benefit paid off by Dave Nelson and the dedication of Dave to Open Arms and the dedication of all of Dave's friends, including his employer, to Dave Nelson. It was a great, great opportunity to actually see some actual work that had gone into all the work that the people did at Open Arms and Bob Solis and raising the money. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it was neat to see the fruits of everybody's hard work that has paid off at Open Arms. When Bob had this vision to start Open Arms, there was one building, and it has grown beautifully. And I challenge anybody that's in the listening audience to look at the webpage under Open Arms, Home for Children, in Kumga, South Africa, and check it out and call me, and we'll talk about it. And I bet that you're going to reach into your heart and find a little bit of time and effort and maybe even a little bit of money to donate to these kids because they have a great life. I have never seen 58 happier kids just genuinely happy with life, and it's really neat. So anyway, uh, I expect Rick Waits to finish up his deluxe breakfast here at this great hotel and uh, come on out to the pool and we'll talk a little bit but in the meantime jamie Reski ending segment one it's a new year this is number one episode of the second year if you can believe it we have 46 episodes in the bank for season one and so here we are in cape town south africa on a beautiful january day where it is the middle of their summer and we are broadcasting live we can also be heard on soundcloud this year we can be heard on spotify this year and also on itunes so if you go to the little uh, Delio Bob, I'm pretty highly technical when I talk about technological advances on the Apple phone. If you go to that purple thing that says podcast, hit that, go to the lighter side of baseball, hit that. When that comes up, they'll ask you if you want to subscribe. Again, it's free and go for it because I've had a blast over the last year and I think year number two is going to even be better. So thanks for listening and we'll be back in a few minutes with our guest, Rick Waits. And uh, back we are, but no Rick. This is funny. Well, I thought it was funny. You know, this was getaway day and it's one thing for a Major League Baseball player to pack his bags. They do it all the time. Get everything out in the hall. Somebody comes and picks it up, puts it on the bus. 
and uh, basically it takes care of all those things that travelers just don't like to do. Major League Baseball players never have to do that. Now, I'm sure Rick was used to doing that, but he had his beautiful and lovely wife with him, and so packing and getting ready and having breakfast might have taken on a whole different uh, meaning for Rick. So anyway, I sat around the pool kind of watching everybody go by, uh, all three people cleaning the pool and a few people out and about taking in a little bit of the uh, ambiance at this pool, but uh, no Rick. So I thought to myself, we'll get him at dinner or maybe during the trip. So we go up to Cable Mountain. We take the cable car up there. The clouds come in. Can't see anything. It's about 40 degrees at the top. And they sound the siren, meaning everybody has to get off the mountain because fog and bad weather and wind are coming in. So we cut the trip on Cable Mountain. Table Mountain. I call it Cable Mountain because the cable car takes you up there. But anyway, we get on the cable car. We go down. Then we drive three hours to... Uh, a wine lunch, then we drive three hours back to the wharf, and then we walk around the wharf, and then uh, we get to the pool that we're having our cocktail party at. Now, all of this is taking place before we get on a plane for a 30-hour ride, ride back to, uh, to town. So by the time we get to the second pool where this interview takes place, we've all had a pretty long day, but both Bob and Rick were kind enough to uh, come over and give a few comments, and so we're going to hear those right now. Hey, everybody, we're back, and instead of Rick Waits, that star pitcher, I've got the father of Sammy Solis and, more importantly, good friend of Davey Nelson's and the founder of Open Arms. And, I mean, we can get emotional or not, but we're going to start out on a higher note. And in the last segment, we talked about open arms and I just wanted all my listeners to have a better opportunity to understand what it was about Bob give us the a little bit from your heart and I know that's where it'll come on open on open arms because you've done a hell of a job this week well I appreciate it Jamie it's been a great week for uh, just fantastic people to come over from America to see uh, see the kids and see what we're trying to get done um, what's really been special is to see the bonding that happens between guests and visitors uh, and kids. Our kids are not bashful, as you know. And so a uh, lot of hugs, a lot of tears, a lot of singing, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of joy. And that's what it's all about. And it's, it's something you can't get unless you're here. We've just had a great time. And I, as, as everybody knows, whenever I get together with Bob, uh, it's always a fun time. And this time was a little different because we had... 35 people here, yeah. none of whom I really knew for the most part, but everybody had one one thing in common. That was this love for the kids at yeah. Open Arms. Yeah, exactly. And it was so cool. It was, Jamie. And you and Kay led the charge as usual. And, uh, you know, these people um, will go back home even more fired up, which is great. And uh, spread the news and spread the joy, and uh, nothing but good will come out of that. You know, it's been funny. Um, you know, I got the bug from Dave. And yeah. whether it was Queen Louise, and for those listeners, you know that uh, we used to go to St. Croix all the time with Nellie, and it was like the it was like I was in heaven because all these great baseball players. But now the venue shifted over to South Africa, and it's been so much fun. But you know, when I've been here, I've been getting texts from people back home going, oh, it's so nice that you've gone to an orphanage. Mm -hmm. And I've got to tell all you people 
It's a home for children. Right. And as I said earlier this morning, you don't see 58 kids that happy anywhere. No. Not in my house. <laughs> Nor in mine, absolutely. I mean, whatever the secret ingredient is, I just think it's it's that it's a family first. It we, is indeed. It, and, and so it's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's not an orphanage. It is a family of people who every day try and love each other in whatever way they can. And, um, and you know, God God's blessed it. And it's... Uh, so far, 14 years and, and counting. So we've got listeners in Hawaii. Yep. We've got listeners in California. Cool. Uh, we've got listeners all over. I don't know how many. But they know that I love open arms and that we love Nelly. But people out there, you know, these kids just, it doesn't fall off of trees. And one of the toughest things that Bob has to get up every day and think about is raising money. And whether right. it's a golf tournament, a rotary meeting, yep. it's constantly something, that, and I don't know how you do it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I always say if it was up to my wife and I, we bought the farm to get it going 14 years ago, but if it was up to us, there'd just be an empty farm waiting for kids. Yeah. It's people like you and Kay and the people on this trip and around the country who give give so generously to our kids and uh, and make a difference. And so, um, you know, go to our website, check it out. There's videos, there's pictures, uh, www.openarmshome.com, openarmshome.com. And uh, you can see for yourself what we're trying to get done. And, you know, folks, we always shy away from paid political conversations, and, <laughs> but not here. Yeah. Because these kids, you know, and it doesn't matter if they're in Chicago, Illinois, or in uh, the Bronx, or in Kunga, South Africa. It doesn't matter. They are kids, and they, number one, as Bob says, and the guy can... The guy's really good. You're really good at raising money. But the kids know that they're loved, and the kids have a special joy in their life. It's it's unbelievable because there's no dad. You know, there's no dad there. There's no, uh, you know, your relationship with all of your kids. Yeah. And and Sammy, I know. But there isn't that. But still... Um, you know, they see me once a couple of years. They see you a lot. Yeah. But still, man, they miss out on that. And yeah. they're just good kids. They I are. Mean, they're great kids. And, you know, when I first started this, I honestly thought, okay, we're going to serve some orphan kids. Yeah. Thinking these kids were different than the ones in our own houses. I've come to the realization these kids are exactly like the ones in our own yeah. houses. They love to laugh. They love to play. They love to grow. They love to be together. There, there's no difference at all and between them and, and the children we know it's just that at an early age they've been dealt a tough break their parents died uh, abusive situations they've been abandoned in the hospital whatever the situation may be that makes it different than you and I but as far as who they are and how they react to life they're exactly like our kids yeah and, yeah. and Bob's evolved and I you know whenever I think of Bob I think back of Nellie mm-hmm. and I'm always kind of there's always a twinkle in my eye because I know Nellie's always yep. had a twinkle Darn you know right. he just loved open arms I've told people that you know between a baseball stadium a golf course and a vineyard he'd rather be at open arms there's and no there's question. no doubt about it and so bob and i had the tremendous uh, opportunity to fulfill uh, a request from dave at his uh, bedside before he passed away and that was for me and bob and our wives to ceremoniously spread his ashes behind the grotto and we did that and uh, and so Nellie has a permanent place at Open Arms 
and it wasn't without humor. And by God, because Nelly loved humor, and he yep. he made fun of me more than he made fun of Bob. No, I don't know about but, that. Uh, I don't know you about know, that. You know, I've tried. I've never done this before. Bob tells me he'd never done it before. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like the ashes aren't all going on the ground. They're like coming up, on, and it was uh, and fitting, and only fitting because Dave Nelson is up in heaven laughing at us and no thanking Bob. For everything he does for the goal, for the folks, the kids that open Well, I will no. tell you, Jamie, the one thing that Dave said over and over to me when I, I had asked him on St. Croix, in fact, hey, we're starting this thing, do you want to be involved? And he didn't get involved because it was his dream to serve orphan kids. He got involved because he was my friend. And yeah. you know the way he was. If he was your friend, he was your friend. He was, and a good and, guy. And, and, you know, he, he always said after that, when he got so fired up about this cause, he always said, oh, you, Bobo, you've changed my life. And I didn't change his life one bit. I just gave, we just had a channel for for being the kind of guy that Dave was already. That's, yeah. that's what it was. And it gave him a, a, a sense of really making a difference for kids, which he did. And, of course, as you know, we just we just started a transitional home for older kids named Uncle Davey's Place, and that's exactly what it should be. Well, that's what I was going to get to, and we've been joined by a former Major League pitcher, uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of Dave's. He's actually known Dave longer than I knew Dave, and that that's saying something. Yeah. But what brought Rick and me together is the open arms excursion down here to dedicate this home for Davy Nelson, Uncle Davy. And as I said this morning, uh, we were sitting at the pool, and I promised you guys we'd have Rick Waits live here, and we are now. We had chirping birds this morning. We're at a different pool now. We're still in Cape Town, taking our show internationally. Yep. You might hear some uh, reggae drums, some metal drums, but Rick, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Thank you. We're here at this Cape Grace Hotel, which is just beautiful. Isn't this in great? Cape yeah. Town, we're around the pool, and we're talking about our favorite subject, which is Nelly. Yeah. Absol Nelly. Absolutely, and Rick and I, more me, but I think I bored at least 16 of the women that were here. And and people would come up and say, hey, you know, tell me another Nelly story. I could go on for 25, 30 right. hours just yeah. telling Nelly stories. And you know, it's therapy for me. Of course. But when, uh, when Rick and I got together, now let's talk a little before we get into that. Just give me a rundown. I know you won 79 games. And I, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen out there, it is not easy to win one game. And so, Rick, he'll be a little modest, but just kind of give us a little rundown of your career, if you could, and then we'll get to Nelly. Well, you know, I, I you know, signed out of high school in 1970 with the Washington Senators. You wow. know, there's, there's not many of us left that were from that draft, but, uh, you know, and I was fortunate enough to be coached by my dad and young, young other coaches in high school and grammar school when I was a kid. You know, to have that, that, that backbone or that hard work ethic to do what it takes to try to make it. And, and again, I got fortunate. I stayed healthy. And I was able to, you know, play in the major leagues for 12 years. 
most of the time with uh, came up from Washington to Texas, but most of my time, nine years with Cleveland, three years with Milwaukee. Well, I tell you, on the mistake on the lake ain't an easy place to go play. <laughs> I, I mean, I was there at the end, and the, the funniest sign I've ever seen had 76,000 season tickets available for next year. I mean, you got to love Metropolitan Well, you know, a lot of people at that time in the 70s did not want to play in Cleveland, but they didn't know how Cleveland was. Yeah. And Cleveland, when you play there, it's just awesome. The people, the fans, even the old stadium with all the pigeons everywhere. It was still a great place to play, and I'll never forget when I got my first opening day assignment. I pitched against the Boston Red Sox on opening day. We had about almost 70,000 people. Wow. And I pitched a one-hitter against the Red Sox. Wow. The next, my dad was in town. The next day, we had 8,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that wasn't uncommon yeah. at all. You know, and we're going to get we're going to get Rick back somewhere between here in Tucson and Bob too cuz they're two of my favorite guys when you get interviewing. Craig Cashon's another guy but mm-hmm. you know I can't help segue Nelly and I'm sure you do get baseball cards sent to you all the time. Yes. And it's it amazes me and as everybody knows I, I you know I told Dave you had every job I ever wanted. You were a major league baseball player. You were a coach and you were a broadcaster. So in days toward the end of his life I was opening his cards and trying to get him to sign a few. This one kid, I'll go over it quickly, beautiful handwriting, fifth grade, dear Mr. Nelson, blah, da, 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 please sign this. Here's an envelope. I put the stamp on it. But let me ask you three questions. So, Rita, who is your favorite player? What event in baseball that you were involved in are you most proud of? And what are you most proud of? taking away from baseball and putting to use after your career. Cool. It's a fifth grade kid. Wow. That, I don't know if his dad helped. <laughs> so, I, you know, I said, Mr. Nelson really can't talk right now. He's very sick, appreciates everything, and I can answer the questions. Jackie Robinson, opening day at Cleveland when his mom and dad were there when he ran out on the yeah. field and open arms home for children. Sure. Hands down, easy three questions. What about you? Who is your, who is your guy? Come beat that. Well, you know, um, I did want to say a little bit about Nelly. You know, when you play this game like I did, I played and coached for 44 years in pro ball, retired a couple of years ago. You come across a lot of wonderful people. And, you know, and for different reasons. Uh, and, of course, Nelly was the guy who took me under his wing my first major league spring training. I have no idea why. And he just took me to dinner. He told me what to say, when to shut my mouth and say nothing. I was a rookie and really showed me the ropes. In my first spring training, I was 20 years old. And I'll never forget that, you know. Uh, And, you know, when it comes down to maybe coaches or players, someone who really made a, a big impression on me early in my career was Frank Robinson. You know, who passed away last year? Yeah. And uh, Frank was a tough guy. He was my manager in Cleveland. But he really showed me, first of all, the integrity of the game, respect for the game, give everything you have on the field, and being a great teammate. And mainly, be a great teammate. Yeah. And, and that meant a lot to me early in the career. Whatever happens, be a good teammate. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, Davey is along the same ways. Yeah. Be a great teammate help the rookie who when he comes up like they did to me. Absolutely. So those those were early in my career. You know, when it comes down to 
one of the best times, uh, you know, maybe the one hitter against the Red Sox yeah. on opening day. I guess I'm kind of remembered for beating the Yankees on the last day of the season of 1978, which forced them to play the Red Sox in that one-game playoff when Bucky Dent hit that famous home run. Right. So, you know, and I wonder if the generations now of ballplayers – Maybe even including your son. God love him. I'm a Sammy Solis fan. Well, thank Big you. time. You thank know you. that. So am I. But, you know, just in the short week that I've gotten to talk to Rick, some of the, many of the same feelings and emotions he shared with me about Dave and about some other stuff that I want yeah. to talk to him about briefly. Sure. You know, I, you know, these guys can go back and you can almost tell me pitch for pitch some of these games. It's unreal. But the love of the game. And people, you know, I think... 79 wins, is that right? Now, yeah. I may have missed one or two yeah. in there. But I've talked to some guys before, and I go, he played for six years. The guy goes, no, I played for eight. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I didn't do my research very well. But there's no easy win in Major League Baseball then, especially, or any time. But, Rick, we were talking, and so my question is, based on um, just visiting with you a little bit, is there anybody in Major League Baseball that you felt you owned? You were the guy. You had that big southpaw, and you had that guy locked up. Tell everybody who that was. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I think Reggie Jackson. I kind of That's kind of who I remember. Love it. And, uh, 44. You know, I think he hit one home run off of me in like 70 or 80 at bat. But yeah, like, uh, but he doesn't yeah. remember. Baloney. Yeah. That is so cool. down the left field line, I think, yeah. at the pole. Down the left field line well, in Cleveland. Opposite field. Yeah, and, wow. uh, but I will say every time you're on the mound and he's standing in there squeezing the bat like Saw does, I'm not saying it's a fun feeling, you know, <laughs> of maybe getting him out, but I made some good pitches on him, and I think mm -hmm. we both respect how we went about our business toward each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, I remember after my career, I'd run into him and he said, yeah, 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 you're the guy who had that ball a little tailing away from here, <laughs> tailing over here. And I, I didn't remember that, you know. Yeah. And I just agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly <laughs> right. Well, Rick was telling me a story. He jammed him, got Reggie out, yeah. met him in three and two, and then Reggie tapped Gave him a little tip of the hat. Yeah. And it's so cool that you remember stuff like that because yeah. it's so important. It's such a big part of your life, yeah. your family, everybody. Sure. It's yeah. just cool. And then to a yeah. baseball junkie like me, I love it. And I think that stuff like that's fun. And, and I don't, I'm sure it's fun now for these guys. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just love it. And I know that, you know, that you were tight with Dave, at least yeah. in that spring yes. training in that 1973 yeah. when you met him. I remember I was telling Rick, and I've said it on, on this show before. This show, I, I started doing this podcast last year. I've done 46. This will be number episode one, year number two. Yeah. I don't know how many listen to it. Jerry Reinsdorf, my good friend, tried to tell me that, hey, your granddaughter's your biggest fan. And <laughs> I can't tell that from looking at the phone. But I have said, I started the show because of my... I talked to Dave all the time, and I would give him my views on baseball, and he'd laugh at me. Yeah. And so we had this great conversation. And then, after that, I, I wanted to get into the father-son, father-daughter. Why did you get interested in baseball? Yeah. And then I hate StatCat. I hate MLB when they're talking about sabermetrics because, like Willie said, you throw the ball, I'll hit it. You hit it, I'll catch it. But I'm always curious, how did you get your love for baseball? Because we all have it. Well, I think I think for my granddad, originally, um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and we did not have the Braves when I was growing up mm -hmm. until, you know, middle, late 60s. 
So I grew up in the 50s, early 60s, and we had what was called the Atlanta Crackers. And they, I believe they were a double-A club for the St. Louis Cardinals. They played at Ponce de Leon Park. Wow. And my grandfather was the usher right behind home plate on that particular section. And so when he went to be an usher on nights that, you know, the, his grandsons could get away and granddaughters, he would take one of us cool. to sit in his seat and then he'd usher the whole game, you know. Oh, and that's man. how we got to know baseball, you know. And they had some great characters. Bob, and, I'm invincible. And that's cool. Plus, you're thinking you, Bobby. So with the Cardinals farm system, right. you probably saw some great uh, yeah. players. I mean, you know, some How really did you great get players going? Yeah. Well, I just loved the game. My dad was a college athlete, football, but baseball. I had a decent arm, and so I mean, I I would have. I, I did do everything I could. I didn't have waiter's talent. Oh, I'll tell you what. But it got he, me to college, you know, and that's good enough. The left-handed uh, third baseman, you told me, at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. I was well, a third-string catcher at SMU. Yeah. But this guy, for real, Mr. Right, Wade. Exactly. It's so cool, though, to, you know, you're such a good guy. You, you hammed it up. I mean, right. when we first met him, uh, went over in St. Croix, and then we got uh, to know a little bit better this trip. Pretty quiet guy. He yeah. was taking charge when you weren't around or Jeff. But, you know, Rick was a leader, and I guarantee you were that way with the club. I mean, yeah. I guarantee you would take some kids and make sure they knew which direction they they wanted to go. But yeah. all of a sudden, on the bus ride today, turned into, I said, you're somewhere between Pat Sajak and Monty Hall. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't right. give me a microphone. You, you know, yeah. Yeah. Be careful. I'll tell you. Oh, but I, I, think, I think that you make the important point. Every time that we talk here, somehow kids come into our conversations. Yes, yes. Open arms is our love and our heart and, yeah, and yeah. what we do, the kids, you know, and when you're a professional baseball player or anything that you do where kids recognize you or look up to you in any way, it could, yeah. it could be something other than sports, do you see it? Do you recognize it? Are you giving back to kids? Yeah. We all three here could give 10 times more back than we do, but we're trying to do the most that we can. Right. And I just encourage other people out there that, you know, you know, it's easy to say kids are the future of our world, future of our, company, our country. But to me, it's that kid and that individual. Mm -hmm. and no, it is. What's going to happen to him and his life and his family and, and what he can do? And, yeah. and it's our responsibility to respond to that right. and react and do whatever we can. Well, look at how your grandfather's love of the game changed. It changed That's your right. life. It changed my life. It changed right. your life forever right. to this day. Look at the spectrum so, of, uh, but the subject is helping kids. Yeah. Look at the spectrum in Kumbu, South Africa, mm -hmm. where these kids are just loved and love to love you. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then you go to America, and we're talking about love of baseball and how that can bond a dad or a yeah. mom with their father, with their son or their daughter. Right. And... When I went to Comiskey Park with my dad the first time, and that green grass and guys selling popcorn, I was just, I was hooked, yeah. and I loved it. And I, I've told this story. I was, and, and you can, you, you know, you, you could do so much. And Dave did it. And Cal Ripken did it. Signing autographs, mm -hmm. talking to these kids, not trying to get over to the shower so you can go out and, and pop, a, you know, have yeah. a good time. Yeah. That's what Nelly waited around the airport for me. I, little kid, I'm, I'm a more obnoxious than I was during this week at open, uh, our trip. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm screaming, and the guys around me are probably one, 
wrong with this, but it was the 50s. Yeah. You know, saw Bob Keegan throw a no-hitter. Yeah. But I work up all the courage in my heart to go ask a guy in the California Angels, the Los Angeles Angels back there, Albie Pearson. I work up all my courage, and I go, Mr. Pearson, would you sign my scorecard, please? And he goes, son, I don't have my autograph on me now. Mm-hmm. I left it in the clubhouse. Wow. I'll never forget that. No. And then you couple that with Dave, who, Nellie, I've been waiting an hour and a half. Can we go? Yeah. You know? and. Yeah. It's so important to these kids, oh. whether it's an autograph or a hug at open arms. Yeah. It's just cool. And yeah. then, you know, what Nellie did, and just always like, you know, when we did this at Miller Park, I said, mm-hmm. yeah, Nellie's smiling down on us now. Yeah. And Bob comes back with, you know, he's always smiling when it's open arms and the kids are getting Big little time. money. Big time. It is. Big time. And, I, you know, th- this week has been fantastic. And we've all enjoyed the week. But at the end of the day, the kids are benefiting yeah. from this, this collection of people in a big way. They were before the trip. I think after the trip, it will be even more well, so. Well, you know, and, as I started know. out with the podcast talking about, go to the website. There are guys that are listening that have mm-hmm. been uh, contributors to Open Arms, and you guys know who you are out there. Yeah. Keep it up. Don't stop. And I know it's hard to ask for money. Bob does it in a pretty cool way. Yeah. You know, you never know. Uh, that he's asking for money when he's showing the pictures of here's a kid when he got to open arm and here's this little boy now and and you know i don't have to say anymore we all admire what you do Uh, the vision you had you could have easily lateraled it to somebody else and say i brought it through stage one somebody else take it you don't do that and god love you for it rick it's been fun getting to know you i've had a good time and i look forward to uh seeing you down in tucson and playing a little golf and and uh, letting you buy me dinner sometime. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Jamie. All right, yeah, Bo. Appreciate Bo. it, buddy. Hey, hey, it was fun, guys. Hello. Goodbye from South Africa. <laughs> and there you have it. I'm still smiling just listening to that recording that uh, we did by the pool at the uh, final stop on our tour before we headed back to the airport for a nice 30-hour flight to uh, Chicago by way of Amsterdam, Detroit, and then into O'Hare. But um, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to get more in-depth with Rick uh, on another podcast. I'll try to let him talk instead of me for the majority of the time because I'm much more interested in what he has to say. You heard a lot from Bob Solis. He's a class guy. That's a mild, major understatement. Good friend and unbelievable crusader for open arms. So enough said about that we're going to shift the show next podcast episode will come to you live from the site of super bowl 54 where the kansas city chiefs take on the san francisco 49ers in what i think is going to be a great super bowl game and uh we'll be there we we probably won't be invited to Radio Row or whatever they call it where everybody gets to talk to people with their uh, press, creden- press uh, credentials because I don't have any press credentials. <laughs> but I do know a photographer for Sports Illustrated that I'll try to uh, maybe get a few minutes with because uh, John McDonough, who I went to high school with briefly, uh, is a photographer for Sports Illustrated, and he's going to be covering the uh, Super Bowl. 
So we're going to check that out. We're going to check out Miami. We're going to hang with some friends. And uh, one of my kids won the lottery. He gets to go to the Super Bowl with me. And uh, the other two would have, but for the fact that Brad starts a big trial in Kansas City the day after the Super Bowl. And uh, Andrew just uh, is blessed to have a brand new baby daughter. So, uh, Josh, warming up in the bullpen. He was ready to go, and he got the nod. So we'll be uh, looking forward to talking next from Fort Lauderdale or from what I call Joe Robbie Stadium, the site of the 1997 Game 7 of the World Series. I'll talk a little bit about that during the podcast because I was there when the Cleveland Indians went down in a heap of tears and no joy in Mudville, man. That game should have been the Cleveland Indians' World Series victory. Didn't happen that way. The baseball gods took it right out of their hands and gave it to the upstart Miami Marlins. So, Joe Robbie Stadium is now Hard Rock Stadium, Hard Rock Cafe, Hard Rock something. And uh, that's where we'll be on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, for On the Lighter Side of Baseball, on behalf of my two guests, Bob Solis and Rick Waits, I want to thank you for listening, and I can't wait for the next podcast. All of you guys are great. Love the fact that all of you guys and girls listen, and, uh, you know, tell your friends, we're going to, this is second season, we're going to be aggressive about trying to spread the word of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. We're going to try to get some more people listening, and I'll try to figure out how I use Facebook to my advantage, or Instagram, or Twitter, or whatever right now. Uh, I'm throwing a shut out when it comes to social media, but we're going to try to get better and uh, we're going to try to get this podcast out to more people. And if more people do get involved, it'll help my sponsors, whoever they may be. And I would encourage everybody to listen to podcasts one through 45 when you have a spare couple weeks to listen to me go on and on and on about some pretty interesting subjects. And I'm sure you would agree a very interesting way. So, Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball, international podcast. Woohoo! That was fun. Have a great day. Go Chiefs. And we'll talk to you from Hard Rock Stadium next week.